God is good. God is good. In the book of Exodus chapter 4 verse number 1, the Bible says, and I'm going to give you the context of this story in a moment, that Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me? And say, the Lord did not appear to you. Go to verse number two for me. Hallelujah. Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hands? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, Throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. It turned back into a staff in his hand. This said the Lord is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Today I want to speak to you from the subject. I am not sure of who I am. Who am I? teach you that that is one of the most profound questions that we will all have to answer whether you ask yourself consciously or subconsciously it's in the back of your mind who am I who am I who am I the crazy thing about that question is that you are not coming into a world where you are starting the world you're coming into a system that has rapidly been flowing we're born into a world that is moving. It's like when you get a new job, you're excited about the new job until you start the job. In your mind, you have all sorts of thoughts about the job, but then when you get to the job, they, t they, they quickly let you know that you just got here. And there are things that have been decided before you got here. So you don't even get to decide you just fall in line. And that's the world in a nutshell. When you were born, you didn't, you weren't born in, you didn't choose which family you were going to be born into. Come on, somebody. How many of you would have liked that option? Don't, don't, don't raise your hands if your parents are here. Come on, think about that uncle. <laughs> think about your father. 
You didn't choose which family you were going to be born into. You didn't choose the financial status you were going to be raised in. You didn't choose what neighborhood you were going to be born in. You didn't choose your social status. You didn't choose the color of your skin. You came into a world that was already moving and things are handed to you and whatever you are dealt with, you got to play with. So you came into a world and, and you had a lot of your issues currently is because you were thrusted into a world that surrounded you with those issues. Mama never trust nobody, so you got the same issues. Mama grew up teaching you to hate daddy. So you were bitter against men from the time you were two. Your father no good. See, all men are dogs. Or you grew up with a father who was never in the house. And you know, I always paint that picture that way. Not all men are bad. Some women, you grew up with a father in the house. The, the mother was gray goose. I don't know why I said that. I don't know. They're like, what pastor did this week? It's not about me. You're kind of in a world that is moving already. You, you didn't get to decide a lot of things. And so the question, you're always trying to figure out in this world that is moving so fast, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Where did I come from? And where am I going? Those are kind of like the most important questions, right? And so we, we, we are told in a world uh, who we are before we even get here. You're told, you know, here's the thing, right? You can find your identity in so many places. You could, you could find it in your name, in your, your name. And to some people, that's a great thing. If you were born with a last name that is, that is powerful on earth already, that's good. That's good. It's good if you were born with a last name and your, your last name might have been, I don't know, uh, 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 Musk. Richard Musk. Father is Elon. That, 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 automatically, I'm already ahead of the game. Come on, somebody. There, there are some names, but, but, but not all of us are, are, are going to be born into family. Some of us are born into the family with a name that... So you automatically came with a name that's busted and you get that, that rep. And you didn't even earn it. You did nothing. To, it's just... So people meet you from time to time and they say, Ishmael? <laughs> I know Ishmael. <laughs> what are you, what are you, you don't know me. Or, or, or maybe you, 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 you think you, you are what you possess and so you, you're trying to do a lot to, to possess more because you grew up in a world and around you, maybe somebody around you taught you that you are what you have. You know, we build a lot of monuments so that people can worship at the altar of our monuments. People love to celebrate their achievements and show them off. You remember the Tower of Babel? The Bible says that those men said, let's build a tower and show that what we can accomplish and all of us will live together. What they were doing was building a monument to show their greatness. And a lot of us build the monuments to ourselves. We, we build the monuments in, in the car we drive. It's a monument to me. Your name ain't Tesla. 
Look at our young people. Look at look at what they flaunt. Look at what they talk about. Fifty two two thousand dollars on my shoe. It's five thousand dollars right here. Six thousand wearing your whole house. And they put the watches up in the video. One house, two house, three house, four. He thinks his worth is that watch named Rolex, not you. I never forget when I was flying through Atlanta one time, I saw a suit. It was busted. Sammy was with me, I believe. And the suit was busted, and they had it in a glass case that you had to break in to, to get access to. I said, why is this ugly suit cased up? And I walked over and it said, suit of Dr. Martin Luther King. I said, oh, I apologize, sir. <laughs> because there are some people who make the suit and the other people who need the suit to make them. There are people that will walk in this room with a $20 watch and everybody would want the watch, not because of what the watch is, but because of who wore it. That's why people were just trying to touch the helm. If I could just touch the helm. Because for the first time in history was a man who knew who he was. He didn't come into a system that was moving too fast. He is the he, He's In the beginning was the word. So you might, you might think, I am my skin color. And you might spend a lifetime fighting a struggle for a skin color. But watch this. Your kids will marry somebody out there racing in three generations. Your family won't be that skin color anymore. If you look at my family history, I really don't know who I am when it comes to that. talk to you about a man who truly had an identity crisis and he was trying to figure out who he was and what he was meant to do and in that process eventually the question was answered I want to talk to you about my brother Moses today shall we bow our heads and close our eyes and pray Father, I thank you for who you are and what you're about to do in this house. I give you praise and glory that God, when we leave this place, we will not leave the same but transformed. Oh God, I might not every day know who I am, but every day I know whose I am. know who I belong to God and so father whether I feel like it or don't whether my emotions are out of control or not I got a God that is watching over me and I pray today that you would move in this house in Jesus name
Amen. The children of Israel went into Egypt. And when they went into Egypt, they didn't go there in slavery. They went there because their brother was led, sold into slavery. Joseph bought by Potiphar, put in charge of Potiphar's house, arrested for a charge he did not commit because Ms. Potiphar was a desperate housewife. <laughs> and Mr. Potiphar was working too much. Stay focused, Pastor Rich. And he got arrested because she said, he tried to do something to me. And the man did what most young people, most grown people don't do. He ran. When she brought him into the room and exposed and said, Joey, could you put the light on for me? And he responded, electricity hasn't been invented yet, Miss Potiphar. I see your schemes. And she said, Joey, it's so hot. Joey said, Joey had every R&B song's dream happening right in front of him. You at work, I'm at home with your shorty. <laughs> Am I wrong? Is it, is it me or that sound like every song on the radio? And we listen to Sin and we think it's a fly song. But men of God ran. And he ran. As a result, he was put into prison and he spent years in prison. Now, how many of you know that if God has a call on your life, it don't matter where you are. It don't matter. Hallelujah. And God brought him out of prison, created a conflict that the government had that only one man could answer. And it was Joseph. God will create situations that only you can answer. And he went and he answered and Pharaoh said, you will be in charge. As a result, he now was able to bless his brothers, gave them land, gave them a place in Egypt. And they're living in Egypt and they begun to grow in numbers. They grew in numbers, becoming larger and larger and larger. But Joseph died. And the generations pass. And the Bible says a new king came on the scene that knew nothing about no Joseph. He didn't know about the greatness of Joseph, how at one time it wasn't for his wisdom, there'd be no Egypt. I'm going to tell you this. Some of the greatest, greatest empires you've ever seen, always somebody that know the Lord is somewhere in there. From Babylon, Daniel, three... To Egypt, Joseph, God always got people in systems. Here's the problem with modern-day Christianity. We use that as an excuse to jump in the system and be the system. They never went in the system and became the system. They went in the system and brought Jesus. So, so this king said, I know nothing about no Joseph. I don't care about no Joseph. 
he just looked out and the Bible said that the children of Israel were so many and they were blessed that he got mad and he said we got to get rid of them here's my first point to you don't get too comfortable in a place that is not yours the children of Israel were in Egypt too long this wasn't where God promised you and sometimes you can begin to make a home in a place that is not meant to be your home. Things that are a blessing in a season, you must know it's a season. And when that season is up, move. Some of you in problems now because you didn't move. And sometimes God will allow the situation to go sour because he's getting ready to move you. Because if he doesn't allow it to go sour, you ain't moving. Here's the problem. And when it does go sour and he's trying to tell you move, you're still trying to hold on. Can we talk about it on Friday? No, stop talking. Move. Don't get too comfortable in a place that is not yours. I want to take that even deeper. Don't get too comfortable with this planet. This is not your home. Don't get too married to planet Earth. When I go to a hotel and it's a weekend stay, I don't run to Walmart and start decorating the room and putting stuff in the closet. Matter of fact, I use everything in their room. Why? Because I know as beautiful as this room is, as wonderful as this resort is, this is not my home. Where I truly invest in is the home that belongs to me. And the Bible says, don't store up treasures in your weekend stay. But start building stuff in the house that you truly one day will inherit. I ain't got a church. So the king said, that's it. I'm going to persecute them. And he decided that he was going to put them in slavery. Persecution is the resort of the insecure and fearful people. Whenever people are fearful, they resort to persecuting. Whenever people are insecure, they talk bad. You go to work and you're confident in who you are and you start getting persecution, it's probably because somebody's scared. They're insecure. They're worried about your success is their failure. And if you don't got somebody like that at work and you are that somebody, deal with that. Stop hating on people. Come on, hate don't look good on you. Tell your neighbor, hate don't look good on you. Come on, tell your neighbor, hate don't look good on you. Come on, hate don't look good on you. Hallelujah. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Persecution is the resort of insecure and fearful people. Let me tell you something. And just so you know, persecution is not... Because we live in a time now, if you contradict somebody, they think you're persecuting them. Contradiction is not persecution. Disagreeing with you is not persecution. As a matter of fact, those who are insecure, the minute you contradict them, they feel the need to defend and hurt you. Because... They don't like the thought that you have existing. 
People don't like when you have ideas that wasn't theirs. And if the idea stops the idea that they have, oh, this is, this is crazy what I'm saying here. If the idea goes against their idea and their philosophy and you don't succumb to their philosophy of living, they will by any means necessary blot out yours. And the children of God, they were multiplying and growing and worshiping their God in Egypt. And Pharaoh looked out and said, they got too much. They're too blessed. They look too good. They're too happy. This ain't even their land. Let's get rid of them. Let's put them into slavery. And he enslaved the children of Israel. And the Bible says that even though he enslaved them, they multiplied even more. How many of you know, is my third point, and it's very simple. If God is for you, who can be against? If God is The weapons can form, but they won't prosper. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. There's a God who turns what the enemy tries to do in your life, and he works it together for good. The Bible says that all things, all things work together for the good to them that love God. All things. God, what do you mean all things? You mean just the good things in my life, the good seasons. There's no way you could take the, this part of my life. There's no way you can take this part of my life. God says, I want all of your life and put it in my hands. Oh, let me tell you something. You ever, you ever, you, if, if I came to you and said, eat this raw egg, you'd look at me like, what I look like, Rocky? If I, if I brought some flour to you and say, taste this raw flour, you'd say, bro, you tripping. If I brought food color in and say, drink this, and that's the extent of my cooking knowledge, because what I'm trying to tell you is that when you take the separate parts of the recipe and you eat them separately, they taste horrible. But you put all of them together and you begin to work it together. And you pop that in the oven because it's got to go through fire. And you take it out. What, what once looked like a bunch of nonsense comes out as a beautiful baked cake that everybody wants a piece of hallelujah anybody getting something today if God be for you who can be against you and so he got bigger matter that the, that the, the children of Israel were growing they were multiplying oh, I want to tell somebody God is going to multiply that thing in your life God is going to grow keep your hands at it as much as it's, it's tough, keep your hands at it. He's going to multiply it. And when they begun to multiply, he said, all right, we got to put a stop to this. Let's kill every one of the firstborn children. Let's kill them. And as he begun to do that, you know, God always got people in places that are counteract the devil's moves. 
He went to the Egyptian mothers and he said, when the child is born, the midwives, I want you to kill them. If it's a boy, if it's a girl, she can live. Come on, ladies, make some noise. Y'all made it. All through history, women have been persecuted. Not that time. Y'all were good to go. <laughs> Hallelujah. Kill it. You know what the ladies them did? They said, we honor God more than the rules in the society. And they told the Pharaoh, the Pharaoh said, how come you, these babies ain't dying? They said, well, you see, the, the, uh, the women, the Is Israelite women are different. They give birth fast. So by the time we get there to deliver the baby, baby's out already. <laughs> I could get real graphic about what was happening here because if if the babies are being born and you're not killing it at you were killing it when at wait a minute America is fighting for okay let me come out of that let me come out of that let me come out of that let me leave that alone oh y'all don't want me to do that I would not have a church next week and so, 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 they be going to do that. And so Pharaoh's got people coming up in houses, killing babies. He ain't listening to them. Just kill babies. Kill them, kill them. And Moses' mother, when Moses was born, decides she's going to hide her baby. God is good. Did y'all hear that? Did y'all hear what just happened? Do you know how hard it is? to hide that them jokers don't care about where you are and when you are they are going to cry whenever they feel like and this woman hit that baby for three months you ever had a, a, something God is birthing you and you hiding it and whatever he gives birth to you it begins to grow and listen to this point if it's alive it will grow and you cannot hide God's plan and there's some people in this room God has given you something that you've been hiding and it's growing and it ain't gonna be too long before you gotta let it go that ain't for everybody but if you know if that's for you, hallelujah. And she decided, I can't hide this baby no more. So when, it, when he grew three months, she said, I'm going to put him in a basket. And she pitched tar around it. She put him in there. And she put him in the Nile and let him sail. And as he's sailing down, hallelujah, hallelujah, he sails right up into Pharaoh's daughter's part where she takes her bath. And his sister's watching from a distance. And Pharaoh, Pharaoh's daughter found a baby, drove him out the water, and says, oh, it's one of the Hebrew babies. He's so beautiful. She said, the little girl jumped up and said, hi, do, do, you, do you want me to get somebody to nurse him? And Pharaoh said, yes, find, find one of the Hebrew ladies to come and nurse him. And guess who she went and got? She said, mommy, 
God is bringing you back to your boy. See, when you hide it, and then you got to let it go and trust God. Once you let it go, I want y'all to see this because this is coming back. This is coming back. It's yours. It grows. Then you got to trust God. And then he gives it. Y'all see that? Y'all see that, right? And the Bible says, she said, I will pay for you to nurse him. Come on, ladies. How many of you would have loved the paycheck for every time you had to nurse your child? Come on, y- y'all ladies, y'all, y'all crazy up in this house. Imagine getting paid to raise your child. Isn't God good? That's why sometimes you read persecution is happening. Look in the story close and see God's hands. And she's getting paid to raise this child. The child grows up in the finest of Egyptian homes. He ain't grew up on just any corner. He grew up in the palace. He, his view was different from everybody else's. He wore the best jewelry. He wore the best clothes. This was Moses at his finest. This is the Pharaoh's son. When he stepped out, it was something different because every time he had that babysitter, she would tell him about this God. He would come back home to Egypt and see all these foreign strange gods, but every time he got to go get babysit, she starts telling him, son, do you know who you are? I know you live in Egypt, but do you really know who you are? I know you live in a big palace, but Do you ever sense there's something different about you? And every time he went home, I am not sure who I... Should I be chasing Egyptian things? Or should I be chasing this God that this woman... What is even his name? Incidentally, I'll drop this one in there. He had not even revealed his name yet, but her name contained his name. Her name was Jacobet. Jacobet. For the Bible scholars, go figure that out. He hadn't revealed it yet, but she had it. How is that possible? Well, it's probably possible because of who wrote the first five books. And if you didn't know, the author was Moses. So when it came to his mother, I wonder, I don't have any evidence if he changed her name. He's different. One day he's out in the fields and he sees one of the Egyptians taking advantage of a a Hebrew slave and he's persecuting him. And Moses steps in and says, why are you doing that to him? Whatever happens, an argument breaks out, and Moses, being trained, being who he is, kills this man. And after killing him, realize what he's done, and then decides, I'm gonna bury him in the sand, covers his body up, and says it's done. Moses is now a murderer. He's a murderer. Moses 
God's man was a murderer. Let that sink in. And as he kills this man and buries him, the Bible says that the next day he saw two Hebrews arguing and he went to them and he said, hey, why are y'all guys fighting? You shouldn't be fighting one another. And they turned and they said, what you going to do? Kill us? Like, it's crazy how your business get around so fast. <laughs> you, ever, you ever walked up to somebody and they mentioned something and that you did the day before? You're like, wait, wait, wait a minute. Was that? He said, you going to kill us? And he realized that this secret was now out and Moses begun to leave to the desert. He goes into the desert, hallelujah. And as he's in the desert, he meets, he goes to Midian and the Bible says this. He was full-blown looking like an Egyptian because when he went to the well where he met his new family, when the girls came home and said, the father said, how did y'all water the flock so fast? They said, we met an Egyptian. The Hebrew looked fully Egyptian. And the man says, bring him home. And the man give him his daughter to marry. This is a good man. If you're single, you need to meet this man. He just be giving daughters away. He married Zipporah. And he decided that he was going to be a shepherd in the wilderness. Come on, somebody. We going somewhere. We going somewhere. And one day, after 40 years, he's an old man now. He's about 80 years old. He doesn't know Egypt anymore. All he knows is wilderness. He goes from being raised by a Hebrew woman in an Egyptian society to being with desert dwellers. Now his job is shepherding. He's got a staff in his hands. And one day as he's shepherding, he goes up into the mountain and he sees something strange. I don't know how long this occurred. The Bible doesn't tell you. I don't know if this occurred over days. We just know that he keeps seeing this strange sight. But you got a man who doesn't know who he is. And I want to tell you this. What we think about God is the more, most important thing that will define us. Your thoughts on who God is, is who you are. Because that is your worldview. And you will live life through those lens. If you think there is no God, you will live as though there is none. If you think there is a God, you will act accordingly. And however you act indicates what you think. So some people might say verbally, I think there's a God, but their actions show you don't think there's no God. Now watch this. He's there, and he's going back and forth, and he sees the strange thing. What's the strange thing he sees? He sees a bush burning up, but not being consumed. It's not being burnt. And so he says, I'm tired of this. This don't make no sense. I got to go see what this is. And he goes over to see this strange thing. Let me tell you something. God will use strange things to get your attention. It is the strange things that's happening in your life. It is not the enemy. It's, the, it's God trying to tell you, pay attention. 
come over here come over here pay attention to this strange thing pay attention and when he came over the voice of God begun to call to him and Moses responded and when he responded God begins to tell him I want to use your life and God says, I want to use you and send you back. I've heard the cries of my people. And he begins to make excuses after excuses after excuses of why God can't use him. Listen to this. Excuses are the reasons you give for why you can't. And when you give a reason for why you can't, it will be the reason why you never will ever move on. Those same, re same excuses you thought are just excuses, listen to yourself because they will be the reason you will stay a shepherd. And God says, I want to use you, but God, but God, I, I don't, I can't talk. I says, that's cool. You got a brother named Aaron. He loved to talk. <laughs> but, but God, but God, I, and one after the other, he gives excuses. And then the excuses got so ridiculous that he said, well, they're not going to listen to me. Give, me. give me some type of proof that, that will show them that you are with me. And God says, Moses, what is that in your hands? Now listen to this. When God calls you, and he asks you a question, it's not because he don't know where you are. The question is for you to answer. And when he asks him what's in his hands, hallelujah, I want to take my time right here. The answer was a staff. But I want to go deeper and talk about that for a minute. Because that staff is not just merely a staff, as you would think, a stick. That staff represented three things. Number one, it represented his identity. It represented, I am a shepherd. That's what's in my hands, my identity. I am now reduced to being a shepherd. The other thing it represented is his income. His wealth, because then you were known by how much flocks you had. This is my worth. This is who I am, and this is my net worth in my hands. The other thing it represented was his influence, because what do you use a staff for? To influence flocks, to tell them where to go. And those are the three things in life that we all are fighting for. Identity, income, and influence. That's why social media's work so hard. That's why every day you post a reel, one reel a day. They got you slaving to it. Cats be doing all types of stuff. Come on, get the picture. For influence. Everything that Moses is when he answered that question... He wasn't saying a staff. He was saying, everything that I am is in this hands. And God says to him, let it go. Give me all that you are. Now, I told you before, when you got something growing, 
you can't hide it for too long. God comes along and he says, let it go. And the Bible says he drops it. And when he dropped it, what was once dead became alive. I could preach right here and tell you so much that when you let go of what was dead in your hands and you put it in the hands of a living God, it comes alive. And for many reasons, people wanted to know, just, just allow me for a second. Theologians believe the reason it turned into a snake was because if you look at Pharaoh, Pharaoh's dress code is in the form of a snake. That's how they dress. And so they, some believe that God allowed it to be a snake because what he was going to do was show him that I have power over every serpent and scorpion. Others believe that God allowed it to be a snake because when he gets ready to pick it up, which is crazy to me, the stick defeats the snake. The wood defeats the serpent. The wood For he was wounded. The wood. For my transgressions. And I, you know, I, but I, yeah, I don't have the evidence, but I believe a little bit of that. Because when you let go what you have to in God's hands and he does what he does with it, it scares you. The Bible says God, when he turned it into a snake, what God did with it, Moses became so shook that he ran. And when God does what he wants to do in your life, it's going to look scary. And then God says, this part, this is the part that blows my mind. Come here, Moses. Pick it up. Now, everybody knows this is common knowledge to New Yorkers, how to pick up a snake. <laughs> Let me help you, New Yorkers. Come on, Gage. You pick up the snake from the head. And the Bible tells you how God tells him to pick it up. Pick it up. What do you mean? Pick it up because if you pick up a snake from the tail, immediately it spins and bites. That's why I'm trying to tell you the poison of the snake. Oh, my gosh. When the shepherd touches this and he touches it from the tail and immediately the Bible says that this serpent starts to turn back into a staff again. He didn't even know this same thing happened in his own life, that his mama had to let him go and then God brought him back. He had to let the staff go and God did something with it and said, here you go. He said it was my staff. Jump down to about verse number four, uh, 20 in that same chapter. I want to show you something about that staff, and I'm getting ready to close, y'all. I want to show you something. From that moment on, this is what the Bible says, chapter 4. So Moses took his wife and sons, and he put them on a donkey and started back to Egypt. And he took the staff of from that moment on, it was never the rod of Moses or the staff of Moses. From that moment on, that became all of my influence, all of my identity, all of who I am that is in my hands is who he is.
he's asking, he even goes on, he says, who shall I say send me? And here's the bottom line. Jesus said, God said, it's not who you are. The question is strange. Who are you? And your answer is, I am. Yo, who are you? I am. What do you mean I am? For most of us, we can never say I am. I am certain thing today. Tomorrow I might not be this. But whatever God is, there's no changing in him. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Whatever he was in time past, he is now. I came to tell somebody in this room, if you need a healing, the same God that healed in the past, in the name of Jesus over cancer, in the name of Jesus over diabetes, in the name of Jesus over mental issues, in the name of Jesus over depression, the same God that told the dead girl Talitha Kumai and she rose from the dead, the same God that is able to open deaf ears is the same healing God today. The same God that was deliverer then is the same God that is deliverer now. Moses had to trust God and he dropped the stick down. Listen to this. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. You will only know who you are when you begin to know who he is. Don't spend your life trying to find who you are in Egypt. And life is not, can I help you? Can I help somebody? Life is not an event. It's a process. Egypt might seem like they're all it is today. God is going to keep Egypt today, tomorrow the desert. Desert today, tomorrow the mountain. Mountain today, tomorrow back to Egypt. Egypt back to the desert. Back to Sinai Peninsula. Back to crossing Red Seas. Life is not a desert uh, an event it's a process and listen to this y'all I want you to know that God is more interested in what you are becoming not what you're doing because all of this is making you something that he's desiring you to be and the Bible says that he dropped everything down God says who this is who I am tell him I am that I am and Moses after all the excuses is rolling with the staff of God back to Egypt. I close with this. There's a God that loves you so much that you don't have to live your entire existence wondering why I'm here. Oh, make no mistakes about it. I know there's a lot of voices trying to tell you who you are. Oh, you People walk up to you and tell you who you are. You know, you're good at this. You should do this. You ever had anybody tell you what you should do? You ought to do this. This is what you ought to do with your life. You have society telling you what you should do with your life. You have governments telling you what you should do with your life. You have everybody telling you what you should do with your life. And everybody looks to everything else of what today you should do with their life except going to the one who made them. 
You will never find who you are looking into the world system. You will only find who you truly are when you look to God. And let me tell you something. God is not just going to tell you who he is and leave you blank. After you learn who he is, he's then going to work through you to show the world who he is. You know, I understood this a little bit better yesterday. I went to my kids like this place, Sky Zone, where they go and they bounce on the, 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 the trampoline. And so in this place, there's trampolines all over. My kids are having a good time. And there's one particular part where there's a zip line. You hold on and you swing down. Come on, somebody. So Silas is like, yo, Dad, I want to go on the swing, the zip line. So I said, all right, let's go. Shy, you want to go? Yeah, let's go. And Shy's head is down. Shy, what's up? Shy lifts up his left hand. He says, Dad, I can't hold on with this hand. Now, we had been to this place before, and then I started to remember, oh. The first time we came, he didn't even try. This time I said, I know he can do it. If I could just get him to try, I don't care if he falls. If I could get him to try to go on, he will see that there is more in him than what his situation is telling him. So daddy is telling him, let's go, you can do this. And God has said, to Moses let's go you can do this don't worry about your fears do it scared do it broken do it not being able to talk do it scared and what you got in your hand Moses what I got in my hand is you everything that I am is now in you you're leading if you're gonna bring me to a Red Sea you gotta part it if, if we gonna be thirsty and we need water from the rock you gotta bring the water Everything, oh my gosh, y'all, I'm telling you, God, one day, one day, hallelujah, pause, one day, God, we gonna have, hallelujah, talk to me later, I'll tell you what I was thinking, no, don't talk to me later, and he's going, and he's going, and he's saying everything that I am is you, I done gave you my job, I done gave everything over to you, you are my all, notice that he still has the job, but the job has now been given over to a higher power, and God gives it back to him, God doesn't want to do it through him, to, through God, he wants to do it through Moses. And I looked at my son and I could have asked the guy, is there a way I could hold on? And he holds on to me. I said, no, you're going to do it. And we go over all I wanted to accomplish was him trying. And he's like, no, 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 I'm not going to do it. No, no, no. Silas, on the other hand, is like... <laughs> We go online and we wait in. 
Shai is behind me and he's like, I don't want to do this, Dad. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Silas gets up to the front. He's short. He can't even really reach the thing. I lift him up to it. Silas grabs on. Peace out. <laughs> and he's gone. Swings down, drops. And now it's me and Shai and everybody else on the line. And the man who's standing there, and I looked at him and I said, all I want you to do is try, son. He puts his hands on the bar. He pulls it down, and he says, I can't. And then he puts his other hand, and it laps over. Now, those of you who don't understand this story, my son, his left hand, he was born with something called symbrachydactyly. Exactly. I didn't know what it was either. <laughs> And what that means is that his fingers are short and his hands are fused together and he doesn't have normal use in it so he cannot grip the bar with the other hand. And so he puts his whole elbow over it and he's holding on and he felt a little power. Now all I wanted was for him to try. I knew that he wasn't anticipating that he's going to need a lot of this arm. And I knew what was about to happen. But I let him. And he swung and he got about four, maybe, maybe three feet off and poof, he fell. Bang. And he fell. And he rolls off. Comes around. And I'm at the bottom. I'm proud as ever. And he comes up to me and he hugs me. He says, I told you I couldn't do it. I said, you did it. You did it. And he's in tears. He's in tears. He's in tears. And I said, you did it. You did it. Because the Father knows who you are. And I know you can do this. I know. I've seen people with one hand do much. I've seen people with no hands do much more than you. You will not find an excuse for why you cannot enjoy life because the excuse will be why you remain where you are forever. Who am I talking to in this house? Stop making excuses for who God says you are. Stop living in fear. Stop living under the voices of everybody else. Start living in what God says about you. If God says you're a deliverer, you're a deliverer. If God says you're something, you're something. If God says you're a filmmaker, go make the best movie to the glory of God. I don't got no budget. I don't got nothing. Take your iPhone and make it. God says you a singer, sing like there's never be, sing on the subway, sing on a bus, sing in your house, sing till it annoys your family, sing wherever you go. God says you a poet, you start just poetry snapping yourself. Whatever God says you are, whatever God says, don't you ever let nobody tell you who you are in life. Y'all got to give me some of this mic, man. I can't hear myself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You got to, you got to, you got to let God define who you are. Hallelujah. 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 And he comes and he's crying. While he's crying, I hug him. And then I said, now we got to work on that arm strength because next time you come, you're going to be strong enough to hold on with one hand and go. And he's like, I can't do that. I can never do that. And here goes the excuses. 
So we go over to this other part, and he's walking through these horseshoes. And I said, you should do that challenge because I see that challenge requires him standing on one foot and gripping his whole body up with one hand. When you say you can't do something, God's next move is to show you you can. So I walked him over and I said, put your foot on there. He's like, well, how does this work? I know how it works. You don't. And he said, he puts his foot. And I said, you got to grip that part with one hand. And he says, but dad, my foot can't reach over there. I said, yeah, yeah. So you got to pull. So he begins to pull his whole body up. And when he does it, he looks at me and I look at him. <laughs> he get it because shy is smart shy and he's like <laughs> I said yeah you just told me a minute ago you can't pull your whole body up with one hand and you just did it I said you keep doing that son the next time we come here you might go six feet seven feet eight feet but eventually you're gonna be able to hold on and go all the way because I know who you are And a lot of us are running around with all of our issues, all of our baggages, all of what's happened to us. We got every excuse, and we're not sure who we are anymore. The divorce messed you up. Your confidence is gone since then. Failed situation caused you to want to quit. The loss of your apartment got you messed up now. The family situation makes you decide that you will never talk to anybody else ever again. And all those things are a lie from the pit of hell. God does not want you to live in mediocrity. God desires for you to be great if you would take what you are and drop it in his presence. He will blow your mind what he will do with it. Every head bow. Every eye is closed in this room. In the name of Jesus.